Welcome to the Apostles Houston podcast, and thanks for listening. As a community following Jesus in Houston, we want to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do the kinds of things Jesus did. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we invite you to join us for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. in Houston Heights. For more information, visit us online at ApostlesHouston.org. Well, good morning to you. Uh, My name is Eric Mingle, and I'm one of the pastors here at Apostles Houston. And if you're visiting us today, uh, especially with the families of those who have been baptized, a special welcome to you. Uh, If you're visiting us today and you live here in Houston, you're possibly checking out Apostles for a future home church, we'd love to talk to you. I hope you'll stick around afterwards. We'd love to meet you in person. So our gospel lesson today focuses on the baptism of Jesus. And as you may have suspected, that's not an accident. Uh, In fact, for many years, the church has reflected on Jesus' baptism on the same day that it performs baptisms precisely because it is by understanding his baptism that we, become, that we begin to understand the meaning of our own. And so with that task before us, let me pray for us, and then we'll dive into this passage, Mark chapter 1. Almighty God, we thank you for the opportunity to hear from you through your word. We now ask for your blessing, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts may be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Mark Twain once penned these words, there are two important days in a person's life, the day they are born and the day they find out why. I'm sure you've heard something like that before. Now, I'm pretty sure Mark Twain wasn't thinking of baptism when he wrote those words, but if he had been, they would have been the truest words he ever wrote. Because if you think about it, that's what baptism is all about. Baptism is about being born. It's about being born again but discovering not only why we were born, but also that we've been given everything we need to become the people God is making us to be. And if that's true, if that's true, then I think that makes baptism the most important day of our lives. Now, it's a big claim, I know. Between the two children who were baptized here this morning, there's less than three years combined altogether, right? To say this is the most important day of their lives is a really big claim, but it's one that I am confident in making precisely because our gospel reading this morning says that it was also the most important day of Jesus's life, too. Now, there are two big claims um, with less than like 15 minutes to justify them, but I think if you open with me to Mark chapter 1, we're going to see at least two reasons as to why they are true. Sound good? Okay, starting with verses 9 through 11, uh, Mark says, In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, You are my beloved Son. With you, I am well pleased. And there's a lot going on in these couple of verses. But the one thing, at least one thing that Mark is trying to tell us is that Jesus's baptism in this moment was unlike any other baptism that John was performing. For starters, consider that the skies were being torn open. Now, we didn't read this this morning, but 
But Mark almost certainly had Isaiah 63 in his mind when he wrote those words. Because in Isaiah 63, as you remember, the people of God were no longer in exile. They had been set free. They were back in the land. They had rebuilt the temple. But they still had one problem, one God-sized problem. Though they had returned to the land, God had not come with them. And that meant that they were still vulnerable to their enemies. And so Isaiah cried out, where is your great concern for us? Where is your power? Where is your love and compassion? Why don't you tear the skies, open them up, come down and rescue us? And so what does God do? According to Mark, it took some time, but that's exactly what he did. At the baptism of Jesus, he tore the skies open and he sent his spirit down, signaling that this was the day he was coming down from heaven, that this was the day he was returning to rescue his people, the day of Jesus' baptism. And then there's the spirit descending on Jesus like a dove, which if you remember is a callback to Isaiah 42 that Les just read for us this morning. When God said that he was essentially going to baptize his servant, the one with whom he was well pleased, not only with water, but with his spirit, empowering him to bring forth God's long-awaited justice to the nations. And then finally, there's the voice of the one doing the tearing and baptizing, addressing Jesus as his beloved son. And this is where things get really fun. This again is a callback to Psalm 2 that Les read for us. A psalm about a king. A king who God calls to rule the nations and to possess the earth for his kingdom. A king who he calls my son. Now put it all together. What's going on at Jesus' baptism? The skies are being torn. The spirit is descending. The father is speaking. The son is crowned. What's going on here? Why is this baptism unlike any other baptism that John is performing? It's because it's not a baptism of repentance for a sinner. It's a coronation for a king. And if you see in the crown, that's a pretty big deal. <laughs> and not just any king, but the king that God has anointed to rescue and to rule the nations. Which brings us to the second thing I want to show you. When Jesus was anointed with the Spirit, it was so that he could be the kind of king powerful enough to do the job that he was crowned to do. Look again with me at verse 10. Mark says, And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And then just two verses later, the Spirit immediately drove him into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. Mark says that the Spirit drove Jesus out into the wilderness. The word drove in Greek is the word ekbalain, and it's where we get the word ballistic from, as in ballistic missile. Okay, and so what Mark is saying is that this once gentle dove-like spirit that descended upon Jesus at his baptism, at his coronation, has now torpedoed Jesus into the desert to do battle with Satan. He's literally led him into temptation. 
which has got to raise a really obvious question in his mind, in our mind. Why, if we pray every Sunday for God not to lead us into temptation, does he do so here with Jesus? And the answer, as we've been alluding to, is because that's the reason he was anointed with the Spirit in the first place, to rescue and to rule the nations and to bring about God's justice and peace upon the earth. But in order to do that, what would he have to do? He would have to confront the one who is unjust. He would have to confront the one who held the nations captive. He would have to confront the one who, in the words of Psalm 2, raged against God and his anointed. And that's exactly what he did. From beginning to end of the Gospels, you can read about it. He confronted Satan in the desert. He confronted Satan and the demon-possessed. And in the end, he confronted Satan and Judas, who betrayed him and turned him over to be killed. From the beginning to the end of his ministry, Jesus was constantly embroiled in conflict with the powers of darkness because that's exactly what he was crowned and anointed to do. And as we know, he was always successful. Even when it appeared that he had been defeated on the cross, even then he was successful. Because as we know, that's exactly what he came into the world to do to rescue and rule the nations. Yes, but how? By being enthroned on a cross and giving his life as a ransom for many. We know these things. Poor devil had no clue. But what we don't always know, or at least we don't always remember, is that he wasn't successful because he was the divine son, the second person of the Trinity. Of course, he could have been successful for that reason, but it's the collective witness of the gospel writers that that is not why. That's not how he was successful. Rather, it was because he was the beloved son who at his baptism was not only crowned the world's true Lord and King, but was also empowered by the Spirit to conquer God's enemies. Do you mean the same Spirit that drove him into the wilderness? Yes, and also the same spirit that raised him from the dead so that he could be given the name that is above every name and so that at his name every knee and tongue would bow and confess that he is the world's true Lord and King. And that's why the day Jesus was baptized was the most important day of his life because it was the day that made possible every day after. His life, his death, his resurrection, all made possible not just because he was divine, but because he was baptized. And that's not just true for him. It's true for us too. As Paul reminds us in Romans 6, if we've been baptized into Christ, what is true of him is true of us. Meaning that if we were baptized with Christ, then although we don't see the skies being torn open, we can and should be confident that the Spirit has been poured into us, equipping us for every good work that he has prepared for us to do. And although we don't hear the Father speaking audibly from heaven, we can and should be confident that he is speaking over us the same words he spoke over Jesus at his baptism, that you are my beloved, my son, my daughter, and with you 
I'm well pleased. And that's what makes baptism the most important day of our lives. It's not that we are crowned kings and queens to rule the nations. There's only one king, and he's reigning and ruling in heaven right now. But it does mean that in our baptism, we are being born again, born as sons and daughters of God, full heirs with Christ in his kingdom. And we can be sure of it because in our baptism, he has given us his Holy Spirit. So how should we respond? Briefly, let me propose just three quick ways. First, if you haven't already, be baptized. For not only is it commanded by, by Christ, but it is also the means by which God embraces us as sons and daughters. Like a family who goes through the process of fostering to adopt, there comes a day when they know that this is my son, this is my daughter, and their hearts are forever knit together but they still need to go before the judge so that he can speak over them their new name and give them their new ID. And so it is with baptism. If you have faith in Christ, you can rest assured you belong to him, but the Father still longs to give you his name and his spirit. And baptism is where he promises to do so. If you've not been baptized... The second way we can respond is this. We can respond by keeping the vows that we all took this morning to do all in our power to support these children in their life in Christ. At the end of Matthew's gospel, Jesus commands the church to make and baptize disciples and to teach them to obey everything he has taught and commanded. Today, these children have been baptized, but it's up to us to raise them up in God's word and his ways, to teach them Obey everything he has taught and commanded. Now, where's Sarah? Sarah Artis is a rock star. She's incredible, but she can't do it on her own. We say it all the time that no one can disciple our children better than we can. And so one way we can respond is by doing that very thing. So talk to Sarah and look for opportunities to support these children in their discipleship. Finally, and I'll close with this, we can respond by remembering our baptism. If ever you doubt God's love for you, Remember that, the words of, remember that the words of love and approval he spoke over you at your baptism are the words he continues to speak over you each and every Sunday we gather to worship. He speaks them in the bread and the wine. He speaks them in his word. He speaks them to the love of his people. So come. Every Sunday that these doors are open and hear him speak over you again. You are my beloved. With you, I am well pleased. Let's pray. Eternal Father, at the baptism of Jesus, you revealed him to be your son and your Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. Grant that we who are born again by water and spirit may be faithful as your adopted children, equipped for every good work to bring you glory through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Thanks again for listening. We hope this resource has been helpful to you. If you have questions or are just looking for more information, you can check out our website at apostleshouston.org.